0: This is nice. Yeah. I'm so glad you guys could come tonight. Well, if you cook steak like that. (laughs) (laughs) This is exactly what I wanted for my birthday. I'm so glad.
1: Yeah.
0: Because I kind of wanted to talk to you all about something. I've been thinking, and what I really want this year is to get baptized. This is nice. Yeah. I'm so glad you guys could come tonight. Well, if you cook steak like that. (laughs) (laughs) This is exactly what I wanted for my birthday. I'm so glad. Yeah. Because I kind of wanted to talk to you all about something. I've been thinking, and what I really want this year is to get baptized. I didn't know your church did that. We do. So is this something that you've been discussing?
2: Well, Paige did come to me, and I told her it was a wonderful thing, but that we needed to discuss it with you first. Yeah.
0: It was my idea. It's a beautiful ceremony. Mm -hmm. What is it? It's like an initiation. (laughs) You wash away your old self, and... Make yourself clean for Jesus Christ. It was a setup. She set us up. I know. So while we fight and we do nothing. She set this whole thing up. So we couldn't say no. She does what? She does. She's going to wash her old life away and make herself clean for Jesus Christ.
1: It's a, uh, a clip from a TV show called The Americans. It's the greatest show on television uh, right now. Um, my wife and I watched that episode last night. And i got to be honest, like... Um, that dinner scene happened, and there was actually, like, this other scene that took place. I cut that out. Um, and while the other scene was going on, I just, I felt so uncomfortable with that dinner table scene. So uncomfortable. And then it went back to this kitchen scene where she talks about the setup, and she says she's going to wash away her old self and make herself clean for Jesus Christ. You know, and even the way she says Jesus Christ, it's like, the, the, I just, I felt so uncomfortable. I literally, as a Christian, I felt unclothed and ashamed, I thought to myself, is that what we look like? Is that what I look like? Because I didn't like seeing it on screen. And it's so strange to me what happened because literally 24 hours, 20, I don't know, 30-some hours, I guess, technically. So I I say literally, that kind of binds me. Um, Literally some odd hours um, before uh, I watched that scene, I had taught a whole Sunday school class at my church on baptism. and I watched this scene and felt so uncomfortable for a while. And I realized why I felt uncomfortable, but it took me a couple of minutes. And this is what surprised me how long it took me. It took me a couple of minutes because it wasn't true. It's not true. She said, I want to make myself clean for Jesus. And that is utterly ridiculous and not Christian. It's antithetical to the gospel completely. And I had just led a Sunday school class on baptism, and it still took me minutes, which Maybe for you that sounds not like a long time, but for me it did. I sat there. I didn't say anything to my wife. I actually was wondering if she felt as ridiculous as I was, if she should feel as ridiculous, if I should feel sort of weird that she doesn't feel ridiculous. Like all of these thoughts were going on in my head and it took me a few minutes to go, I feel weird about this because it's not true. That's why. That's why. That's not actually, that might be what some people think we look like, but that's not true. How do I know it's true? Let me give you a couple examples from the scripture. We put up Proverbs 20 verse 9. Psalms 24 nine. Who can say I have made my heart pure and I am clean from my sin? Put up Psalm fifty-one two, please. He's cry- this is the psalmist crying out to God, You God, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Or Ephesians two eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is a gift of God. Or later on in that same letter, Ephesians chapter five verses twenty-five through twenty-seven. Did I tell you to put that one up? I don't think I said that to you. I'm going to read that one to you guys. This is what Paul says. He's actually telling husbands to love their wife, but then he actually stops for just a second and says, he says to love your wives like Christ loved the church. And he says, this is how Christ loves the church, okay? Listen to this. This is how Christ loves the church, Jesus does. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. We do not clean ourselves. Baptism is not about me, hey, me going, you know what, I want to be on Jesus' team. I got to make sure I clean myself and I get myself nice and presentable for Jesus. That's not what it's about. It's totally the opposite. Totally the opposite of Scripture. We don't give God anything that He has already given us. If you know the parable, we give Him His own coins. That's what we do. He gives us money, and we give it back to Him. We don't give Him anything, anything other than our sin. We give Him nothing that He hasn't already given us. And baptism is not about what we do for God. It's about what God does for us. As an aside, um, because I taught on this recently, in, just so you know, in baptism with Christ, uh, in baptism, uh, we identify with Christ in His death and His resurrection. That is resurrection. Um, is all about our identity. Our sorry, baptism is all about our identity and our belonging. That's what this is about. That's what that's about. That's what baptism is about. It's entirely about your identity and your belonging with Christ and His death and resurrection, um, and to the, all the other people that have plunged under those waters and come up again as new folks. That's what it's about. If you've never been baptized, come talk to me after this. It'd be fun. Um, uh, but all of this made me think about something for tonight. All of this made me think about whether or not you know what truth sounds like. I sat there having just preached uh, like a Sunday school class or taught on a, a Sunday school class about baptism. It took me a few minutes to realize that's not even close. It's just the complete opposite of the good news that Jesus Christ proclaimed. And I wondered, do you know that? Would you know the difference between a truth and a lie if it came at you? Do you know the difference? Do you know what truth sounds like? Brothers and sisters, we don't live in a silent world. We don't. There are researchers, and this estimate is large, and so I'm going to use the lowest number, okay? There are researchers who estimate, <coughs> common research now says somewhere between three to 20,000 advertisements a day, that every single person encounters Three to 20,000 advertisements a day. Some nerd decided to take into account how many bits of information we can actually process per minute and estimate that we actually only pay attention to something like three to 700 advertisements per day, though go figure. So somewhere between something like 500 and 20,000, okay? That's a huge, huge range. But let me just stick with like the 500 amount for a minute, okay? That's a, that's a big number. If it, it's at least a few hundred times a day, this is what happens in every average, every single advertisement does this, every single one, okay? It says this, you are not as happy as you could be, but you could be if you only purchased our product, right i mean that's the the nature of every advertisement is trying to sell you your better life if only you would which necessarily implies i got to convince you that you're not actually happy yet there's some gap going on in your satisfaction level and you don't even know about i didn't know i wanted an iphone 6 until they came out with it and then i was like yo iPhone 5 sucks. i got to get an iPhone 6. Like, there's a convincing of, uh, for me and then a, a, a stirring up of my affections and desires. This kind of process is happening something like at least 500 times a day for every single one of us in this room. We do not live in a silent world. You do not live in a world where no messages are coming at you. And you can just pick and choose what you want to hear, what comes into your ears or what comes before your eyes. This happens all the time, the news, Twitter, Instagram, commercials, the trendy stickers on the back of the cars in the hub that tell you that people are, this person is outdoorsy and loves Jesus, and they've also traveled a bit, you know, Uh, and that communicates something to us, right, that tells us about who they are and who you are, and sometimes it makes me feel like I don't do enough in life, and I don't shop at the right stores, and like, because there's these messages that are getting communicated to us all the time around this world. Messages from our friends, and our parents, and our teachers, and UTC, and our churches. Signs on the street in front of churches. And to give you guys an idea, and this is is a guess here. I think I'm right, but this is a guess here. Um, to, To just testify to how many signs that we see all the time, and how many advertisements we see all the time. There is a sign in front of this church. Right now, house banners cover it, which is really weird that the church lets us do that. It's pretty fantastic. Unbelievable. I don't know any church that let anybody else do that. Um... They let us do that on Tuesdays, but underneath those house signs is a sign that's up all the other days of the week, and there's little letters on it that say different things that church signs say. Does anybody know what that sign says this week? Raise your hand if you do. I'll give you five bucks. I'll have to send it on Venmo, though. Ten bucks. I'll send you ten bucks on Venmo if you can tell me right now that you know right now what the church sign says out in front of this church. Many of you see it every day multiple times. What does it say? No, you're guessing. It's not what it says this week. No, it doesn't. Well, maybe it does. I'm talking about the thing they change every week. They what? They didn't change it this week? Okay, see, I didn't know that. I actually, I had no idea what it said tonight. Like, I didn't go look at it either. Like, I was, like, asking this because I was like, I don't even know. Like, I go out there and put signs in front of it sometimes, and I don't even know. Why? I I probably owe somebody 10 bucks. Just tell me afterwards. Uh, But, like, why do we, why don't I notice it? Because there's so many other things coming at me all day long. We can put six signs on this street. We actually have to. We have to put signs on both sides of this thing, two or three chalkboards out, and I'm still like, nope, nobody's gonna notice. Somebody drives down Macaulay every day and they say, where's the house meet again? And I'm like, have you ever driven down Macaulay on a Tuesday? And they're like, yeah, all the time. And I'm like, we have like lots of signs. Like, no, I mean, okay. Yeah, super funny. Way to go, Jason! Man, I wrote down this one will kill it. That's what I wrote down. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, got it. <laughs> Stop it, okay? It's only funny when I'm back there. Oh gosh, man, that went from really cool to really not really fast. Um. Oh gosh. Okay, I got to stick to notes, apparently. Good night. But y'all, we, I, I really do think so many people who, who drive down Macaulay on a weekly basis, would, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be like um, far-fetched for me to think that they actually would have zero clue where the house meets, even if they've passed those signs hundreds of times. It would be really weird for me in a world where they weren't listening to radio, looking at Instagram, Twitter, all the, now those are all probably getting to be old now. I don't know what the new things you guys are looking at is, are, but I read something about it and there's a bunch of words I didn't know uh, today. And I was like, I'll wait another year before I get into those um, apps. But, um, but, but in, in a world where those things don't exist and when there aren't billboards and signs and all these things all the time, it would be really surprising for me if one of the two or three signs on the street changed every week, if people who walked up and down the street or drove up and down didn't know them. But when you're experiencing something like 500 to 20,000 advertisements a day, messages a day, and you're processing a lot of these, hundreds of them at least, it doesn't surprise me at all that you don't know. We don't live in a silent world. There are so many voices coming at you in your life. My question is which ones are true? Which voices that you listen to, that you hear, that you put in front of your eyes and you listen to with your ears, which voices are true? Do you have to look like that, act like that, do that, say that, believe that, strive for that? How do you know? What would it mean for your summers to be a success, for you to live a good life? We don't ask questions like this in a vacuum. We ask it in the presence of 10,000 opinions and thoughts messages. And I don't think the strongest voice is the one outside of our head either. I don't think the strongest message is the one on the sign and is the advertisement on the side of Facebook or, or is the t-shirt that my friend wears when they Snapchat me or I don't think the strongest advertisement are those things. I, I think the strongest voice, the strongest truth proclaimer in our world is the voice in our own head. Convinced of that. Would you put up that, that little weird sentence with a blank? I hate it when I think something's really funny and it wasn't that thing, it was like another thing. I hate it when that happens. I really love it when I get to blank. I really don't like it when I... We use that kind of sentence a lot, you know what I'm saying? I hate when I... All these sorts of things. Do you see what happens when we do this? Like, look at the structure of this for just a second. What happens when we do this? We're actually speaking to ourselves. The structure of the sentence that we use when we say things like that is we're we're speaking to ourselves. I love it when I, I once had a a counselor friend of mine say, when you say this, who are the two I's and which one's really you? And he went, look, this isn't multiple personality disorder. This is just normal human self-talk. Which one do you put more trust in? The first or the second I. And and I was like, you know, we started talking about this, you know. But we do this kind of thing all the time. We talk to ourselves all day long. We tell ourselves messages all the time. One of the, most common th- one of the most common predictors of self-talk, in my opinion, is this question. What did that mean? As soon as I start asking the question, what does something mean? I begin to tell myself things. Tell myself, here's what it means. This is the truth. Here's what I think it means. Here's what it means. Here's what it means. I am going to tell myself these things. The voices we listen to are not just outside of us but inside of us as well. We have inner dialogues and we wrestle and this is the normal course of any cognitive human being. We don't get a job that we're looking for and we might say something like, we may not say this out loud, but in our heads we might might have this voice that comes out and says, I didn't get that job because I suck. I suck. I suck. Or maybe we go the opposite direction and say something like, I didn't get that job because I'm too good for them anyway. Neither one of those are true, probably. If either one of those are true, we can talk. But I don't think either one of those are true. My question is, do you know what truth sounds like? Outside of you or inside your head, would you know the difference between a truth and a lie? And when I think about so many of you leaving for the summer or graduating from college, my hope tonight is I'm wondering... If I can send you out into the summer knowing what truth sounds like. That's what, I, that's what I'm hoping for tonight. David, the great king of Israel, he's the man who God said is after his own heart. He speaks to himself in so many psalms. If you read the psalms, I encourage you to. God, for so many of you, it would be so freeing to know that the Bible has the very language of your anxiety so often. That this great king of Israel so often puts words to the very thoughts and questions you have, and we are told that this is not something not welcomed in the church. This is welcomed right into the very courtrooms of God. And and one of the things I notice so much in the Psalms is that David speaks to himself. He talks to God too, but he actually talks to himself a ton. Did you know that? I want to read a psalm with you, and I don't want to spend too long on it, but I, I, I want you to have that frame of reference when we read this together. I want you to think about how you speak to yourself, and would you ever speak to yourself like David speaks to himself? This is Psalm 103. There's many, 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 many more like it. But this is, this is what I think truth sounds like when a person speaks it to themselves. Would you put up Psalm 103. This is a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless, I'm going to stop a couple times as I read this, okay? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Y'all don't hear this as a, I feel so great that I'm just acknowledging to everybody what my soul is doing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, like, you know, or in a Different voice. Uh, Like, that's not what he's doing. He's telling his soul. I can praise God with my arms and with my mouth and my lips, and I don't know what it means that there's a me that isn't just my hands and and lips and stuff like this and brain. I don't know what that means. Let's call it soul. We are more than that, too. We are meant to be people united with physical bodies. So this makes, already my mind is being stretched. but, but, But David is saying, I bless the Lord sometimes with my body. But soul, you bless God. Bless him. Self, bless the Lord. That's what you're supposed to do. Bless the Lord. And, and bless just means give praise. Some translations will say praise the Lord, O my soul, because that's kind of what it means. It has this connotation of getting on your knees and, and lifting up something. It's not actually giving God some treasure from our treasure trove. It's, it's acknowledging he's praiseworthy. He is God and I'm not. Soul, do the thing that, that the souls he made are supposed to do before him and bless him. This Psalm 103 begins with David telling himself, self, bless the Lord. Do you do that? Tell yourself. This is what you should do, self. This is what you should do. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So again, he says, just because he... Who, which one of us doesn't need ourselves to be reminded of this? Bless the Lord, soul. Bless it. Bless Him. And then He says, don't forget His benefits. Put the benefits of God before your mind. What are His benefits? who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. These are his benefits, brothers and sisters. He forgives, he redeems, he crowns, he satisfies, he's renewed. Put those before your mind. Bless him, soul, and don't forget the benefits that he brings to us. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Now remember, David is speaking to himself. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. This is who God is, self. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Self, do not forget that God has acted in history on this very earth in the ways recorded by his people. And this is what he's like. The Lord is gracious and merciful, or merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, self, listen, self, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, interesting that he uses ours, he's talking to himself, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. It would be very good for you to try to imagine how far the east is from the west. It really would be. And to ask whether or not you in your very soul believe that God could remove your transgressions from you that far. So David tells himself, this is how far. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. We are dust, remember that. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and is gone and its place knows it no more. Remember self, the brevity of life. Remember this. There is wisdom in knowing how brief your life is. A few weeks ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, about something like 12 to 16 throughout the day joined me for a discussion on what does calling mean and how can we know our calling in life? And we spent an afternoon on a Saturday talking about that. And one of the questions I asked everybody amongst many questions was, what do you want your life to look like when you're like 80. And so many of them, literally, so many of them said, I've never thought about life past 30. It shocked me. I didn't realize that was like a big thing, but apparently it is. Uh, and, And I hear David telling himself, literally telling himself, remember how short life is. Remember, meditate on it. I'm 35 years old, Jason. If you live to the average age of a man, and you probably won't because of the way you treat yourself, you probably got about 35 more years left. That means you got 35 summers. That's it. Yeah, 35 falls, 35 Christmases, 35 Easters, 35 Valentine's Days, 35 anniversaries, assuming my wife and I both live that long. It is wise self to remember that. Why is that wise? Because it's true. How could lying to myself about how many years I have left be healthy for me? Don't you know that when the end comes, we do special things? When we start meditating on the end of things, start meditating on the death of things, tonight is the last house, and it it makes more sense for me to say, thank you. Why do we not do that all the time? Because the end is coming, and it makes me go, oh my gosh, I want to say this before it's gone. There's grace in this. There's grace in meditating on the brevity of life. So David says to himself, soul, think about the fact that your life is is but a flower in the field that grows for a second and the wind blows over it and the next day it's gone. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. His kingdom will not end Soul, if we are looking for something secure, something lasting, something significant, and who among us in this room does not want that? If we are looking for that, it is found in His kingdom. Our life is but a breath, but His kingdom is everlasting. Can my life find life in His kingdom? Bless the Lord, O you angels, you mighty ones who do His word. Now He speaks to others. Obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works. In all places of his dominion. And of course, he ends the same way he began. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. David reminds himself over and over to bless the Lord. And I really think the summary of the whole psalm, can you put that next thing up, is just this. <sighs> that little thing. Dear self, bless the Lord. And a bunch of true stuff about who God is and who you are. Sincerely, self. Man, this is Psalm one hundred and three, my translation. Uh, but, I, but, this, but keep that up there just for a second, okay? Like, what do things look? What do things look like in yourself? What do things look like in your head and in your heart when you're confronted with with anxieties, insecurities, and decisions, and all of these things? What do you say? I, I promise every single one of you starts letters like "Dear Self." You may not use those exact words, but you actually. Talk to yourself about what things mean, what is true, what is right in your own mind. And you say things. David says, This is what I need. Okay. Bless God. Exalt him. Praise him. Here's all who he is, and here's who I am. Okay. okay. Bless him. Sincerely, me. That's what David does in this song. Do you tell yourself the truth? Do you respond to the lies in this world with truth? Can you tell the difference between a truth and a lie? When you hear someone say that baptism is about making yourself clean for Jesus, can you recognize that's a lie? This whole sermon series in the past few weeks has been about not being conformed to the patterns of this world. This comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. When you think about the future, when you think about what to do with your life, when you think about who you are, what you're good at, what you're bad at, when you think about your romantic status, and when you think about what all this means, do you listen to the truth or do you listen to lies? More than that, do you speak truth or do you speak lies? About five years ago, six years ago or so, uh, the former director of the house, a very close dear friend of... um, mine, Kirsten's, and many, many people probably here, um, David, uh, he took a class from um, the late philosopher Dallas Willard, and this class was sort of interestingly structured over the summer. It was a two-week kind of retreat up in the mountains somewhere in California, they had no cell phone service at the place, and the only thing they were allowed to bring, other than like toiletries and clothes and such, was they were allowed to bring a Bible, something to write with, and a pencil. They couldn't bring anything else. They could bring anything else. They couldn't bring extra books. They couldn't bring their, their you know, iPods, listen to music. They could bring anything like this. And their homework before they came, this is like a, a doctorate level class. The homework that they had was to memorize certain passages of scripture, and that's it. And so Dallas Wood said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring your Bible and something to write with, something to write on. That's it. And I want you to memorize Matthew chapters five through seven, first Corinthians chapter 13, second Corinthians one through five, Colossians chapter three, something from Galatians, maybe Galatians chapter three. I think that might be it. Um, remember those things or memorize those things, and then I want you to come. And they didn't know why. And they just were told this was our homework. And so they showed up. And Dallas Wood had a few things to say at the beginning. And somebody asked the question, uh, Dr. Willard, why did you have us memorize these passages? And here's what he said. He said, I wanted you to know what truth sounds like. I want you to know what truth sounds like. That's why I wanted you memorizing those passages. Matthew chapters 5 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Colossians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 1 through 5, start with those. I want you to know what truth sounds like. That's what he said. And that remains, to me, one of the most compelling things anyone has ever said about the Scriptures. I heard David recount that story, and I went, yes, yes. Like all the other things I've heard about reading the Scriptures, that just rings with me. These are what, th- th- these scriptures are what truth sounds like. That's what truth sounds like. When, when, when that baptism story came up on screen, I started going into the recesses of my own brain and what I say about baptism, and what other people think about baptism. And, what, and, and this is what Jesus promised the Spirit of God would do, okay? So I'm really thankful for this. But in a moment, all of a sudden, the Spirit brought to my mind scripture that may sound really weird, I don't know. I didn't grow up in the church. I don't know if you hear that and you're like, that's what people who preach always say. I don't know, I don't know. But like, I remember thinking, I know how to fight against this. And I don't even know what the fight is yet. I don't know, the scriptures might, might lead me to have to proclaim something that makes me feel very uncomfortable. This happens over and over again for me. Because, because the Bible says it, and I believe Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection uh, uh, speak to the truth of the scriptures I must believe them because I believe him. I really must. And so in that moment, I started thinking, well, what is baptism? And I was like, well, I never make myself clean. And I started thinking, any, did anybody on the set ever even grow up in any kind of church at the Americans? Did nobody know a Christian and say, hey, real quick, would you just Google what do Christians think baptism is? It's like the central theme of episode four of season three. Sorry, I'm giving that away. I don't know what happens in episode five. But that's what happens in episode three. Sorry. Uh, but, like, I, I hate when people give things away. I just feel terrible right now about that. Um, really, I do. Um, but, but, like, I, I, it was baffling to me because what happened to me is the Spirit brought to my mind Scripture. I started remembering, no, 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 I don't make myself clean. God does. Everything I bring to Him is what He's already offered me first. I don't present myself clean to Jesus. He presents me clean. He washes me clean. That's a lie. The Scriptures are what truth sounds like. And at the center of the scriptures is one story. It's Jesus sitting in a meal with his friends. Well, this is the beginning of this one story. He sits at the meal with his friends and he tells us to remember, he tells us to remember. And we might think of remembering as a kind of talking to ourselves. It is the, literally, I mean, remembering is the very normal way that we put something before our minds and we say, self, think about this what remembering is. I take something, I put it before my mind, and I say, meditate on this. That's what I do. I, I, I remember it. I put it together again, and I become a part of it in my mind. I actually am telling myself to focus on something, and Jesus asks us to do this. He commands us to remember the way He loves us. He commands Christians to remember the way He loves us by taking communion. This is what we're supposed to do, Christians. We remember that Jesus has come to us while we are still sinners to forgive us of our sin. We remember that God loves us. He loves you. And he is offering real, lasting, complete forgiveness. And then he says, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, which represent my body and my blood, as often as you do this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to proclaim my death until I come again. I want you to preach Christ crucified. Why? Because I don't want anybody thinking that they clean themselves up and come to me. Why? Because everybody is dead in their sin and trespasses. And I want them to know the love of God who became like mankind in every way. He became a human. And he moved toward us. He got down on his knees in this very meal when he said, remember the way I've loved you They have in their mind this picture, I'm sure, of just moments before their master, their teacher, taking off his clothes, wrapping a towel around his waist, getting on his knees and washing their feet. And within 24 hours, he was dead on a cross. And sandwiched between these two events, they have him say, remember how I've loved you, my service for you, my life for you. Remember that. And then love others like I loved you. And every time you get together... I want you to eat bread and I want you to drink this cup and I want you to to, to remember the body and the blood. I want you to remember my breaking on your behalf and I want you to remember my blood which covers your sins. The author of Hebrews says we're actually sprinkled clean by his blood. It's crazy imagery. Sometimes it bothers me because it's so intense. This is a central story in the midst of all of the truth-telling scriptures. In the midst of all of it, the author of truth, truth himself, he said he is truth. Says, here's what I want you to do when you get together. I want you to remember. I want you to to put before your mind and say to yourself, remember this, think on this. I want you to think of my body and blood for you. That's what I want you to do. This is truth. God loves you and He offers you forgiveness, and you do not need to clean yourself up. I don't know what else you're gonna think about over the summer. I don't know what you're gonna think about in your future jobs or your romances, or your friendships, or whether or not things will be the same next year or totally different next year, or all these other things. Truth is that God loves you, He offers you forgiveness, and you do not need to clean yourself up, you just need to come. And this thing we do out of obedience to Jesus, this eating and drinking and remembering and proclaiming, it is the great truth that we put before us and come together around often as Christians. We get baptized once. We do the Eucharist, the communion, the ta- Lord's table, whatever your tradition calls it, we do that often weekly or more. We probably ought to be doing it daily. That pushes against the nerves of some churches probably, but, but we should do this. This is something that we do all the time. This is truth, not just in our ears, read on a page, but before us, we actually participate in an act that reminds us of who Christ is and, and the, the truth in the midst of all of the history of the world that also speaks on our behalf. This is truth. When you think God doesn't love you, that He can't forgive you, that He's not powerful enough to save you, that He cannot satisfy you, Proclaim the truth of his death and resurrection to your soul. Proclaim that truth. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, all that is within me. Bless the Lord and forget not all all his benefits. This is what truth sounds like. I want to ask seniors and the full-time interns to come forward. All the seniors and full-time interns, come on up forward, right up here. Right in the middle, right up here. And why don't you guys like huddle up, hug each other and stuff, you know? Not creepy like Blake. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's so many of you. You guys can close the circle. I'm, I, come on, come on, get in here. Get in here. Come on over here, come on, you guys, come on. We want to pray for you and commission you. That's what we want to do tonight, okay? Commission literally means to be with you on mission. That's what that means. As you go forth from this place, this is my prayer, okay? We want to pray that the truth of this table, that God's gracious love and forgiveness is the very beginning of the rest of your life. It's not the end of your time in college or the time at the house. This is the truth that is at the center of all other truths that you think about Everybody in this room, we want you guys all, Kirsten's going to lead us in prayer. Would you all pray with us for them? They've spent years to get to this point. They have no idea what's about to happen, okay? Uh, they have none. So let's, let's, please, 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 when we just pray for them, okay? Pray with us, please.
2: Father God, uh, you have created um, incredible, incredible sons and daughters of yours. I'm um, so grateful that you have, um, you've allowed me to know them, to love them, to cry with them, to laugh with them. Um, thank you for, for just all of the, the time um, that they have poured out um, into their fellow students. Um, Father God, I pray that they know that you are so proud of them, that you are not ashamed of them, but you, in fact, are so proud that they call you their God, that they are part of your family. I pray they know that as they go out. I pray that they remember this time, um, this laying on of hands, as a time that you set a fire in their heart, that you empowered them with gifts, and I pray that they know that they have a spirit of boldness, that as they step off of this campus and into jobs and into families, that they are carrying your truth with them. Lord, as we commission them out, as we, their family, Say we are supporting and praying and loving them. I pray that they go out so filled with your joy and your fire that, that everyone watches. Thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, they they are wonderful. And so now I pray this, this blessing, this benediction over them that by him who had the power at work within all of us is able to do far more abundantly than these seniors, than the staff can ever ask or imagine. And to him be the glory in the church, in these seniors, in these interns, and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen.
1: We're going to ask you all as seniors to line up here first. Kirsten and I want to serve you communion first tonight. Uh, So why don't you all just line up here. Um, And after you guys are done, we'll um, have the worship team take communion, and they can lead us in the rest of the night. Y'all, there's uh, no magic in this. Uh, We are, are going to take a piece of bread, rip it off, dip it in the cup. Um, and as we do this, remember, this is what the church does. We come together often proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. This is the truth that defines who we are and what we believe, okay? Um, if you don't believe in Jesus as Lord, don't, don't go through all the charades of all of this. Um, it actually is probably going to make it hard for you to ever trust this sort of thing. God's not asking you to do this in order to be a Christian or anything. So um, why do you just sit and think about whether uh, you want to be, a, uh, you want to identify with the God um, who has offered forgiveness and love for you. Um, But this is the truth we proclaim. His body and His blood broken for us and shed for
2: us um, because He loves us.